Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. Three, two, one... Yo, what's going on, Arkansas Razorback fans, SEC fans everywhere? Welcome to the Friday episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. I'm the host, Ty Hudson. Back after a couple of weeks, we've had some scheduling issues. I mean, I've I've told you guys this a thousand times. When you're doing like six Zoom calls a day with teachers, you fall a little bit behind. So I, my scheduling has been crazy, but thanks to Kyle and Porter and Cabo, these guys have been keeping it up on the Friday show, and I do I do appreciate that. Speaking of the devil, or devils, plural, alongside me today, Kyle Sutherland and Porter Hayes. How you guys doing? I'm, I am I can imagine you guys are too, but I'm very spoiled with all this basketball we got from 10 a.m. until really, I guess, one or two out there on, from our friends at the on the West Coast. We got basketball all night, all weekend, and then, of course, you got the NCAA tournament starting next week. So we are spoiled for these next couple of weeks with some March Madness. Yeah, it's definitely March Madness time. I mean, I remember we were talking to buddy uh, Brad Caldwell from uh, Prime Time Preps. We were talking about back when we were high school, and we used to sneak into the library to try to catch those Thursday-Friday games during school and people who take off work for the first two days. And now it's going to be starting on Friday. So, I mean, it's really cool getting to watch some of these smaller conferences get to play. And, man, after the year we've had, it's really cool to see all this stuff come back to somewhat normal. You know, they just announced Bomb Stadium's going to open up 1,500 more tickets. So, you know, we're slowly starting to get back to normal. Not saying we're all, all the way in the clear yet, but it, it's all pointing in the right direction. About time. It's about, I mean, like Porter said, we don't want to, don't want to get anyone overly excited, but it, it's starting to look like the, uh, the dust is beginning to settle and uh, for getting through COVID. And of course, Everyone's been affected. Everybody. There's not a person listening to this who hasn't been in, affected by this in one way or another. So uh, it's going to be good. It's my gosh. It's going to be good too to watch these games and actually see people in the seats. Actually see the games with fans with their butts in the seats, being able to attend and watch the stuff up close and, and in person. Um. Yeah, a lot of a lot of good basketball. As we were we were trying to wait for the uh, Missouri-Georgia game, and we thought we were in the all-clear when Mizzou had that double-digit lead, and then the uh, game got a little crazy there towards the end, and so we know now Arkansas's opponent will be Missouri in the uh, SEC tournament, so we'll get to that later. We'll start off, for, and by the way, there, there's not going to be any Discord questions, so for anyone who hits me up in the DMs, sorry, no Discord questions this week. We were a little, uh, we're just all a little, it's been a little hectic around here lately. 
uh, I was unable to hit you guys up on on Discord to ask those questions. Uh, but we will start with spring uh, with with what we what little we've gotten out of spring football. We had day one, I believe that camp started on Tuesday. We had some announcements too on Monday about some possible position changes. Zach Zymos back to safety. I say back to safety. Uh, turns out he's going to move from the linebacker spot to safety. Six foot four, two hundred and thirty pound safety. I'm sure he'll take some weight off. Colian Jackson from wide receiver to tight end. Uh, Mike Woods is going to play a little bit of slot this year. And the probably the biggest announcement. And Kyle, I want your opinion on this one. Raheem Sanders who was recruited by Justin Stepp, as far as I know, Kendall Bryles, to come in and play wide out. He's now going to he's gonna take some reps at the running back spot. What, uh, what, are, your, what are your thoughts on, on Rocket playing, getting the ball out of the backfield as opposed to playing the wide receiver position? I was very excited to hear that. You think about guys that could play multiple positions and that you pretty much salivate when you think about them wherever they are on the field because they're going to do great things. Traylon Burks, there was multiple people saying that he should be playing defense because we really needed help at linebacker. This was before the emergence of Grant Morgan and Bumper Pool. I know Bumper was hurt a little bit last year but still made some major strides. But, man, we already know that he's – a great playmaker there at wide receiver, but he's definitely got the size. He could play linebacker just like Traylon could if, if they wanted to move him over there. Obviously, they're not going to do that. He's a first-round talent receiver. But, man, having that guy, having a, a bull like that in the backfield, now you, it's going to be interesting to say. I think that he is more of a Kendall Bryles-esque player, meaning that it's not like a Rakeem Boyd where you're just running downhill. I think Rocket's going to be great, whether it be catching screens, whether it be on a zone read. There's just so many things that he can do. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like to me it's like another little TJ Hammonds deal. And if they really utilize him like they're wanting to, I think it could work out. But if it turns into the pre-TJ Hammond where he's getting one touch every other game, that's, that's what kind of concerns me is just hopefully they really utilize him. And is this kind of a concerning red flag of just how thin they are at the running back? I mean, you can take this both sides of it. Has this guy really beefed up? Because the pictures we've seen, that dude – looks like a monster you know he looks like he can really give them that inside presence when it comes to running the ball so if they utilize him like they want him to and get him involved in in Kendall Bryles's offense then it could work out and just the fact that they're able to have a real spring practice you know what was taken from them last year we talked about COVID before we you know really got into the pod but I, I really hope they really take it the most out of what they're getting out of this and I think they will knowing what was taken from them last year yeah, and he looks like – I mean, he looks like a man amongst boys. I don't know if you guys saw the Instagram picture. I think uh, it was it was noted on Twitter. A dude's arms, I swear, they're the size of my head. He just looks – he looks like he's ready to go. Uh, as far as playing time, I, I wonder year one – well, two questions what I have for this. Was this at his request or was this something Kendall Bryles wanted to do? I'm sure Kendall probably – this was a Kendall thing. Maybe they both agreed. I don't know. But I, I'm curious about how, how much playing time he's going to get year one, kind of like what you were saying, Porter – You've also got a big time four star athlete in AJ Green, who was expected, who was offered by other schools to play defensive back, and Arkansas was one of the few schools to offer him to play at running back. So, how is that going to work with those with those two? With you know, you mentioned Hammonds, who's going to be in front of these guys. You would imagine. Then, of course, you have Traylon Smith, who's who you would have to argue would be the leading back. 
amongst this group. So how much does this get him on the field quicker versus the wide receiver position playing the wide receiver position? Or like uh, like Porter said, is this just a question of of how thin they might actually be at the running back spot? So uh, also, by the way, AJ Green not here. He's not on campus just yet. He's uh, back in Oklahoma running track, so he is not on campus. Uh, Kyle, did you have we've we've got an ad we need to read the BetOnline.com or BetOnline.ag. Yeah, uh, the Hog Talk podcast is brought to you, like you said, Ty, by our friends at Bet Online. Selection Sunday is this weekend. The big dance begins next weekend, and Bet Online has you covered for all those news scores and all the odds. Be sure to sign up for the one hundred thousand dollar bracket madness contest, and also check out the online casino that never closes. So head to the website BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device to sign up today and receive your fifty percent welcome fifty percent off. Your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Are you guys going to fill out a bracket? Absolutely. They'll have every year, <laughs> always will. At least one or two. I don't. I'm too superstitious because I never win the damn thing. So I just, <laughs> I just, you know, I just, I'm, I, I'm seriously like, I'll pick a team and they'll be out first round. And yeah. by the sweet 16, it's my bracket's just total garbage. So I just, you know, copy and paste. I've done a, I've done okay on, I did one that was really good. I think like 2018, my bracket was really well. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you my, my picks, but I I just remember like, you know, don't get me wrong. Half of them were coin flips. Tried to do a little bit of research and the ones it's funny, the ones I did the research on, I got wrong. So, I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. I like I was just so far out in left field trying to trying to go through, you know, talking about teams out west that you don't really keep up with. I think I I did okay on the ACC, Big 12, SEC teams, but Big 10 and uh, all the teams out west I did pretty bad on, on the brackets. Well, and, and you got to think this year, look at the Blue Bloods, Dukes. I mean, and I want to say, man, how they lost their season, oh. you know, to have that test. And, to, I mean, they were on a roll. But, I mean, not saying they would have won it, but to have the shot to be able to work their way into the tournament and to have that taken away because of the positive test, that, that stuck. But we're not, you know, we're not having a lot of those blue bloods that are in this year. Kentucky's out, you know. Kentucky uh, I mean, and Duke for the first time yeah. since 1976. And that's crazy. crazy. So now this is going to be the most crapshoot. You're talking about a tournament. Like, whoever like wins these pools, these tournament records, I mean, it's, it's going to be just throwing darts in the dark. I mean, it's going to be that open. And there's not really – I mean, Gonzaga, but, I mean, I watched them last night. And, I mean, you put some pressure on them and really give them a game. I don't think they're going to win it all. I think them playing in that West Coast Conference really hurts them when it comes to tournament time. And I couldn't even tell you. I mean, Arkansas looks really good, but, I mean, other than – maybe like in Illinois and what the big Ten's doing. I don't really know who the front runner is to win it all this year. Yeah. And you know, someone brought this up. Uh, I don't remember. Maybe it was, uh, maybe it was one of the local guys, Ty Richardson or Tommy Kraft. but I was listening and, and they had brought up that it, it feels like the kind of year where all the teams that have the high seating, it feels like the kind of year where they're, these are going to be the teams you're probably going to end up betting against. Uh, just because of COVID and maybe their numbers look better than they really are, you know, because of postponements and, and, and what have you. I, I, I feel like if I'm going to, if I'm going to pick anyone, it's going to be the teams with the most experience. Uh, and that doesn't bode well for Arkansas. When, when I, when I say that, I do think Arkansas goes, 
I do think this is the year they break to the Sweet 16. I do think I do think that. So maybe not. Maybe not all the teams that don't have all the experience in the world. But it feels it has that kind of feeling to it. This this uh, this tournament that if you're if you're loaded down with with guys who've played in a tournament setting or have played in the March Madness, who've danced, uh, who've had good runs in ter- both tournament and the uh, in the big one, the NCAA tournament. You know, maybe a couple of years ago, obviously it was canceled last year. I, I feel like those are going to be the teams that end up doing the best. You could be surprised too, but you know, most of the times it's the teams that have, you know, it's not always the guys that have lottery picks, but sometimes it's the guys that have a few good freshmen on their roster and have some depth with a little bit of size this year. I wonder how much experience is just going to play into it. I, th- I think it's going to be quite a bit. Um, okay. So Razorback football recruiting update. I know, well, they had a commit just, uh, they had a, they had a couple of commits over the weekend and then they had one yesterday or no today. My bad. Was it today? Shiloh linebacker commit? Uh, it was, was that, Wednesday, was, Wednesday night. So he was offered. Okay. Yeah. So Caden Henley, he was offered on like Wednesday at two, one or two o'clock. And I think it's the same thing that JT towers did. I know it happened in the last class. It was an in-state kid that got offered and then recruited just a couple hours later. But Caden Henley, I saw him play when they played, um, Kate, when they played, uh, oh my gosh, who was it? It was Rivercrest. I knew it was in Wilson, that school up in the uh, northeast Arkansas. But they played uh, them in the state championship game. This kid was everywhere. Uh, he was in on just about every single tackle. You would hear his name over the loudspeaker. He played running back as well. So one of those homegrown kids that we've seen uh, linebackers, a couple of those success stories there. Of course, the most recent one being Grant Morgan, uh, and then him being a, as a walk on. Now, of course, Caden's going to be a a uh, scholarship player, but him and then James Joyner, the running back from Little Rock Parkview, and Andrew Chambly, the offensive tackle from Maumel, both committed together at the D1 facilities on Saturday at around 2.30 p.m. So three commits in a week, Ty, and uh, it's looking really good. Arkansas has offered 10 – or yeah, yeah, they were up to 10. Caden was the 10th. Uh, guys that they've offered in-state, I think that now makes uh, – five that they've scored that's uh now five or six that they've scored and so uh amarian harris is one to look out for from robinson you would expect him he's a razorback legacy his father would play defensive line and so uh that's one that you can uh, really be on the lookout for man this kid was offered by bama in ninth grade he's also got ou he's got just about every school after him and so i wouldn't be shocked to see him here uh maybe not pretty soon but maybe the next arkansan to be uh to be committed from the class of 2022 tell me what oh i'm sorry go ahead porter well i was going to say one quick thing on henley as i was listening to rich davenport on the on the radio this morning he said that he had 126 solo tackles this year as a linebacker and that and that would just tell you and they're high praise i mean this kid's just all over the place like kyle said so for a linebacker to just a lot of these kids i think you know last year you know, you had a lot of these camps taken away. There's not these mm-hmm. camps. So they're having to really rely on tape and game field. And I think that's a good thing. You know, they're really seeing game field. They know that they have to lay everything out on the field when it comes, especially when you're at a 4A, you, you look at 5A and, and Hyman, one of the best athletes in Arkansas is not getting a look from Arkansas itself. You know, you're looking at these kids, 2A, 3A, 4A. They know they have to work just as hard. The top defensive player in 5A, Jordan Hanna, got a preferred walk-on offer. You know, you're not getting the scholarship. So a kid like this, to get a scholarship offer and to have that many tackles, I mean, that says a lot. 
Should be, I mean, anybody up here who's followed Shiloh long enough shouldn't be too surprising that they've they're finally getting some attention with some prospects. Um is and I and I think you're right when you talk about the the camps being taken away. I think that's part of the reason why you know he doesn't have as many offers, you know, and he was kind of under the radar. You know, he's six one, two hundred I think two twenty five, two thirty, somewhere in there. Uh right down the road for me, as a matter of fact, right here at Shiloh Christian. There's a, that makes you wonder too with with how top heavy. I mean, I, I get that this class, honestly, in state wise, it's a solid class. I mean, it really is. I think they might end up uh, with maybe maybe ten, twelve guys going D one Power Five. I mean, I, I think that's absolutely a possibility, which is you know a few more than what they normally do. We did have over the weekend also, well, or just recently, we had a couple of Fayetteville kids, Dad Gummit. Commit out of state. Caden Turner, 6'2, 220 inside linebacker, who got an offer from Arkansas late last year. He committed to Indiana. And then Isaiah Santagna, the number one player in the state, according to 247, I guess composite, uh, he, co- he commits to AM. Three years in a row, they've had the top player out of the state of Arkansas, assuming he signs with AM. And from what I understand, it's a pretty solid commit. That's three years in a row, Kyle Porter. The A&M has walked in here and, ta- and have grabbed the number one player in the state. Yeah, they've done really well with it. And with Isaiah's situation, I think that that's probably going to be pretty firm. He does plan to – both of his parents were track stars. He's yep. just a lightning-fast guy, great at track as well, And um, as you mentioned. And he's he's going to um, do it with A&M. And their track coach it was his mom or his dad, one of, the, one of his parents – I know that mm-hmm. uh, their coach, his dad. It, it was his dad. Yeah. So there's that yeah. connection there, and of course, like you said, the past two commits. Now one one of the guys was it, uh, it wasn't Chris Moore. He was the basketball player. I can't remember the football player's name. He was an offensive lineman from West Memphis, but he was a Memphis kid that moved into West Memphis. So I guess you could you got to count that as a uh, an Arkansas based kid, but. Uh, take it with a grain of salt. The, the the Drayden Norwood, I thought that that was a little interesting. I really don't know the backstory on that one, but so technically, yes, there is those connections there. But man, I'll tell you the the connection that you don't like is the fact that A and M is continuously making it a habit of uh, coming in and taking your number one recruit. Yeah, and no matter what, I mean, how you twist the the, the numbers. I mean, out, when we look at it as Arkansas fans and we follow recruiting. One out of the three is is surprising and alarming, and that's Norwood. But you got the other kid out of Memphis who moved, who technically, if he'd have stayed at his own school, he would have been the top player in Tennessee. He moved over to play as senior in high school at West Memphis. So technically, they could have counted him as Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And, and Satanga, he had a lot of connections with Texas A&M. They recruited him heavy. There was a lot of connections with the track and Texas A&M. So, but still, yet yeah, when it comes to recruiting. They can use that, and and you don't think Jimbo Fisher is going to be like, hey, look, the top three, last top three players in Arkansas came here. So, w- when it comes to recruiting battles, they're going to use any kind of ammo they can. But as us, when we can step back and look forward, it, it's really not that big of a deal, other than the Norwood situation. If it were a tackle, again, if it was if it was a big time tackle, you remember when you lost uh, one to Oklahoma and one to Ole Miss. I'd probably be a lot more, I'm not going to say upset, but more not thrilled with the situation. Obviously, me being a Fayetteville guy, I don't like seeing Fayetteville kids not go to Arkansas, but man, they got to do what's best for them. I totally get that. I was actually talking to a former Fayetteville alum last night about this. You know, he said, you know, it's just good to see these kids 
out of Fayetteville that are purple dogs, at least getting that opportunity. And I agree. Uh, I just, it's hard for me to imagine, especially being born and raised there. Like when you're there with the campus being right next door, man, we bleed red, we bleed purple and red. And it's just, it's strange, but I mean, that's the world that we live in today. And, and you uh, like you guys said, Centegna has that, has the uh, track coach affiliation there with his parents. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't his dad a coach at Arkansas? Doesn't he coach track? Yeah, because I think, uh, and that's another thing I want to bring up Davenport. He said that he might have not have won his dad to coach. So, yes, I guess there, he's coaching there or something. But another thing is with the fan base, you know, we're still in the pro state of the program where we feel like we should get every single in-state prospect. You know, I mean, and we got to get to the point to where we got to look at the stars. We got to look at the development and try to get the best outside this pipeline. I mean, because it is damaging when everybody thinks, well, they're not getting the, the best in-state prospects. Well, and I'm not saying they are, but like, if you think, well, your top prospects are three star, I mean, they, but they still think they're talking about their number one in Arkansas. They should automatically go to Arkansas. And that's right. not the case. That, that's not the case. So I guess if we're wanting to move Arkansas into a top tier SEC program, we got to get out of the fact that we got to, because Arkansas is not an SEC pipeline. You know, it really isn't when it comes to no. the grand scheme of Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, Louisiana, Texas, you know. So it, it's just one of them optics of, okay, they're the best player in Arkansas. They have to go to Arkansas. And that puts a lot of pressure on these kids. They might want to go out of state. Look at, you know, the Fayetteville kids. Their campus is literally right next door to Arkansas's campus. Maybe they want to go somewhere else. They've seen Arkansas's campus. They've seen the, the life walking from their classes to to wherever, you know, so maybe they want to go somewhere else and play ball. Yeah. And another point too, sometimes, like you said, they, they need, they actually need to get out of town. And I understand that point of view too. And maybe, you know, again, maybe Isaiah doesn't want to be coached by a parent or doesn't want to be around a parent. I mean, we've all been 17, 18, 19 before we want to get out and explore the world. And uh, even if he wants to go, I don't know, play with a bunch of uh, cult members down in, uh, <laughs> wants to drink the drink the kool-aid down there just don't shave your head um all right yeah it it's it stinks I, I agree with you porter you do need to be out of the mindset of we we need to be able to go to tulsa like they have oklahoma city georgia surprisingly over the last few years when you think about a couple of guys that you've been able to nab out of there Tennessee, Mississippi, maybe the northern. It's hard to recruit out of Louisiana because the Texas schools also dip into there and also obviously LSU. But it's it, you need to, sure, a fence around the state, like they used to say, is a big deal here and it is important. But I don't know that Pittman, we've not really heard him talk about putting up a fence around Arkansas. What we've seen is him dip into Texas and Oklahoma, especially Oklahoma. And you're in on some big-time prospects over there. So we'll see how this thing pans out. Right now, I think they're still ranked in the top 20 in recruiting. Obviously, that'll fluctuate as the year goes on, as you add guys and other programs, uh, uh, gain more commitments, and so on and so forth. Uh, moving on to the to the next, next portion. Speaking of Razorback recruiting, or Razorback athletics, Porter Pro Day, you got some insight on that. What do you have to tell us? Because there's quite a bit of – there's some juicy information out of this Pro Day stuff. I'm curious what you have to say about this because I, I was kind of out of the, the – when you guys were talking about it in our group chat, and I haven't really had a chance to listen to them on Twitter, uh, but I saw Felipe Franks. You got to ask him a question. Uh, so why don't, you, why don't you talk about that? Because it sounds like there's some juicy little tidbits there. 
Yeah, it, it was really cool. And I have to give props to Tyler Butler. You know, he really hooked me up and, and got me in on the, to sit on the pro days. And it was really cool to represent sports and culture out in Greenville, South Carolina. And it's kind of crazy that I got my information from a guy in South Carolina for Arkansas pro days, but Frank's dude, that dude's humble. I mean, it, everybody who was asking him questions, it was, yes, sir. I mean, his poise, I got to ask him about like his injury and how that in him becoming a leader on the field and just what that meant to him, you know, what that speaks to scouts. And he went over that. The The most interesting thing was Jacobs. And I know this has been mentioned on other platforms, but this dude was totally 110% owning what he did. He, he said a thousand percent. He regretted his decision. He, he wished he would have stayed uh, because I mean, that far into the season, he could have got some playing time later on in the season, especially when, you know, you're going up against these teams who are really just torching the secondary. He really, and I think he's seen that. I think he made a rash decision and he owned it. You know, he said that was a hundred percent on me. It didn't have nothing to do with COVID. And he made that decision to step away. Rakeem Boyd, on the other hand, you know, he basically said, I felt like I've done enough at the university of Arkansas to prove that I was a, an NFL running back. And he, he said it twice, like, I'm not trying to sound cocky, but I felt like I've done enough. Now, his 40 time didn't really say that, but he just felt like he done enough. And another thing that I don't know that was really released out during the football season is his roommate got COVID during the process. And I think that kind of scared him a little bit of, am I going to get it? You know, you never, I mean, because guys, it seems so long ago, but we got to look at the time that they opted out and where we were fresh in this COVID and how scared everybody was, the unknowing of the, you know, the heart conditions and everything going on. And in that point in time, you've got to make a decision. Am I going to opt out or am I going to stay? And I think with Jacob's deal, I think a part of it is, you know, he broke away and did things on his own. He had to go to training camps on his own. Same with Boyd. And I think they realized just how good you have it in the SEC program with the facilities and the, the nutrition, the workouts, everything that goes into being in an SEC program. And I really, and that's what I asked them, like, you know, what does this say to kids in the future that want to, you know, opt out and, and try to do things on their own? Because they're having to go to California. They're having to go to Miami. They're having to go to all these different places to go work out. And when you've got the best facilities in the nation right there in your own backyard that can, and with the coaches and, you know, I asked, um, it was, um, Marshall, you know, being able to not Marshall, it was Xavier Kelly. I asked him about what was it like getting to be coached underneath Brent Venables and Barry Odom. I mean, they don't realize the coaches that they have at Arkansas, that can prepare them more for an NFL level than going to these one-on-one camps. Yeah, that's a good point that you brought up too. I didn't think about that with Kelly. I mean, that ought to be something. If I'm a if I'm a front office guy, GM, whatever, around the NFL, that's something you want to take into consideration. This guy's been coached by the best, even though he didn't have the greatest numbers this last year. Didn't really contribute like I think a lot of people thought that he would. That is something to take into consideration. Uh, right now, as far as I know, it's only two two Razorbacks invited to the combine, unless I'm wrong. Uh, Felipe Franks and Rakeem Boyd. So I don't know how many how many uh, Marshall. I'll oh, tell you Marshall, what, Marshall. Marshall I'm telling you, this dude put up 30. 36 reps 
He put up 36 reps at 225. That's I mean, this dude is, and I'm telling you, like, Franks is going to go. He'll probably be a late rounder free agent. But I'm telling you, Marshall, I think, has the most upside to get drafted. And I think of any of the guys that was in the pro day, he helped his cause the most. I mean, that dude is a beast. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Didn't you say he said he could put up four more? Yeah, he, he said he wanted to get from the 35 to 40 range. That's what he was trying to push for. So, um, But he got 36, and I think they said that was the most of any of the de- defensive linemen in this 2020 uh, draft. I can't wait to see where he ends up. That's going to be fascinating. I mean, he, even though like his, his last year, th- this is why you don't abandon ship on people who, who come in as freshmen or, or JUCO transfers, and they don't tear it up in the first year or two. Look at Armand Watts, man. I mean, Armand Watts, who was a no-namer really until his final year at Arkansas. He, I mean, yeah, he, he piled up some sacks, had great numbers, but he he played well enough his final year to get drafted. Nobody thought that cat was going to get drafted. Nobody. Going into his final year at Arkansas, he went and got drafted. And I think you could say the same thing about Jonathan Marshall, although we've always known about his raw strength. Uh, I, 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 he is one of those I thought would tear it up earlier, and I kind of thought the same about Armand, if I'm being honest, but uh, so many people jump ship when a player when a player doesn't tear it up the first couple of years. Like I'm I'm seeing this with with uh, Hudson Henry. I don't know how many times either in my comment section or on Twitter, uh, or people are just trashing the guy. Like, oh, he's he you know he got beat out by by a walk on. He's nobody. Blah blah blah. Let's forget about the fact the guy was playing injured uh, and does seem to be a little bit injury prone. Does need to maybe put on a little bit more weight, a little bit more muscle. Uh, didn't really, hasn't really performed, but I'm not jumping ship on a guy in football anyways. I think, you know, when you compare other sports, it's a little bit different, but still even in, in basketball, you could make the same argument, you know, guys, uh, I mean, look at, look at Bobby Portis year one to year two. I mean, he, he, he played himself into a much higher role in the NBA. Sometimes you gotta be patient. And, uh, as far as, you know, not only us as fans, but players too, you know, and, and I know we're not talking about the quarterback battle just yet. We're not talking about that. But I really hope, and I know we all think it in the back of our minds, the loser of that's going to end up transferring. I feel I feel that way. I do because that's just that's how quarterbacks think now. I'm not the guy here. I'm going to go be the guy elsewhere, either at a smaller school or, or a school that maybe has, I don't know, a little bit more gifted as far as talent up and down the roster. And I'm going to get an opportunity there because they have a little bit better talent. Although I don't know how you could say that with what weapons Arkansas is going to have the next couple of years on the offensive side of the ball, but people need to be patient, man, be patient. Give these guys time. Don't get me wrong. There are those guys that come in. They don't do anything year one to year four and they don't, and they're bust, right? They just don't live up to the, maybe, maybe they don't live up to the star power. I think a Darius Winston, who was like the number, I don't even remember top five corner out of high school coming out of Arkansas. I was a five-star Big time talent never really broke through, and that's understandable. I mean, it, you know, it happens. So be patient, and maybe these guys will uh, live up to your. Some of you fans have these insanely high expectations, and you know who I'm talking about, Duke. As you're listening to this podcast, have insanely high expectations of these players. Be patient. Um. Okay, basketball. Saving the best for last. There's a lot to cover here. Looks like, like we mentioned earlier. Oh, by the way, speaking of basketball, Kareem Reed, next segment. I apologize. I'm off my game tonight. Kareem Reed will be up on the next part of the of the podcast, so stick around for that. Kyle uh, had a sit-down with him. Good little interview. 
Razorbacks taking on Mizzou. I am pretty nervous about this matchup. Uh, Kyle, what do you what do you guys think? I mean, I don't really know what more to say about it than here we go. What do you what are your guys' thoughts on this? And we can start with Kyle. Yeah, this is the matchup that you didn't want to see. Alabama, they're gonna be looking for blood and they'll probably be on their best shooting game, you would think, if they get to play us again just because of the way that that one ended, especially. But Mizzou just they cause matchup problems for just about everybody. I would say that when Kobe Brown and um uh, what's the kid Tillman Jeremiah Tillman when they're both at their best they're probably the two best bigs in, in the SEC I mean Justin Smith I know he's had a great season and but I'm talking about guys that are 6'10 plus he's not quite there but as far as I know that uh, the get from Georgia or from Florida is really good too but just they cause a matchup problem for Arkansas that I'm really concerned about because you cannot put Jalen Williams uh, I guess he didn't make the trip it looks like and still out from the last couple of games. But then Connor Vanover up against Jeremiah Tillman, man, that's just scary right there. And Xavier Pinson's playing really well. Both of the Smiths, are, yeah. Drew and Mark, are playing really well. And like I said, Kobe had a really good night as well. Uh, Jeremiah Tillman kind of started to get it going a little bit as the game went on, start, started off struggling. But, yeah, you just you don't like that matchup with uh, those guys inside. Well, the last yeah, time – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Porter. I said, you know, the last time when they played in Fayetteville, I mean, this game was overtime without Tillman. You know, you had Pinson that was lighting everything up. So now you got both of those guys back, and they want that revenge. And Arkansas is already – and we mentioned this with the women. You know, you're going into an SEC tournament with that – you know, you've got things on a lock in mind. How is that going to, you know, really prepare them for this SEC tournament going into the NCAA tournament? You know, Missouri's playing. I, I don't know if they're uh, last. I don't know where they're at on the bubble or anything like that. But you know, if they're playing, they have to win these games. If if a win over Arkansas gets them into the tournament, they're going to come into this game with a hunger, and they just they do. You know, with Jalen Williams out, that's huge when it comes to defending Tillman. You know, now you're going to have to rely on maybe Advanced Jackson really stepping up, Ethan Henderson really stepping up and giving you some defensive minutes on Tillman and hoping that Pinson don't go off for 20 and then Tillman getting 20. If both of those guys go for 23, 25, it could be a first round, uh, not really a first round, but it could be a first game exit for Arkansas in this. So they're really going to have to play their, their best game. If they're one, they, they cannot look to Alabama on Sunday. They got to look at tomorrow night knowing they're going to get a scrappy Missouri team looking for revenge. Yeah, Porter, I, I, wanted, I wanted to bet in real quick and just say that uh, they they got the uh, six seed or they got an eight seed right now, so they're in. But they're, okay. yeah, they're, okay. they're trying to they're trying to improve, and so yeah, they're mm-hmm. definitely going to be especially with how last game went. They're they're going to be out looking for blood, just like Alabama. Oh was. yeah, because so. if if they're at that eight seed, you don't want that eight nine game. So if a win over Arkansas could get to them to that seven ten game, oh definitely they're going to because an eight nine game is almost like playing a one sixteen. I mean, it's just that dreaded of a game because more than likely you got to play that one seed coming out of that eight, nine game. The last time Arkansas played Missouri, like you guys said, you went into overtime, you beat them by five, 86 to 81. For some reason I thought Arkansas ended up with a, with like a nine or 10 point lead in that or a ball game, a win there, but overtime you beat them by five and that's without Tillman. Now, when you played Tillman last time, uh, he ate you up. And I mean, he beat the living crap out of you. 25 points, 11 rebounds. The guy had a double double. He only turned the ball over once. Three offensive rebounds, eight defensive rebounds. 
Uh, he was a monster. And Pinson went off in that game, too. We were talking about that before we started recording. He had 23. Uh, uh, looks like their bench wasn't super-duper productive. But, you know, again, you go back to when you last played them, their bench, their bench was kind of a little bit more productive. And Pinson went off once again. He went 7 of 13 from the floor, 5 of 8 from three-point range, 4 or 5 at the free throw line, 23 points. Uh, that's ridiculous. So now you're going to have to deal with them and um, and they're big. Both they're big. I mean, they've got like like Kyle said, they've got the size. They can go with Tillman. They can go. They've got a couple of guys that can mess you up inside. Brown could be a problem. Uh, Tillman, Pinson, and not Mitch, Smith. You know, Mitchell Smith from Van Buren. You know that it always seems like these Arkansas kids play good against Arkansas. I mean, I know he didn't. Mm, he started off really good. He had two threes right off the bat, and then he kind of tapered off, but. It's something about these Arkansas kids that want to prove that they want to beat Arkansas. They do. They tend to play their their best basketball against the Razorbacks. They're hyped up. So, with that being said, I mean, how far how far do you guys think Arkansas goes, Kyle? Do, do they get past Mizzou? What are your thoughts? Do you, is this it? Is it one and done? Uh, you know, I I do think that they get one. I think that they'll beat Mizzou. It's going to be a really tough fought game, but. Uh, it might come down to the final seconds, but I do think that they're going to beat Mizzou. I I don't know that I see them getting to Sunday, though. They're going to have that target on their back. That's why you hardly ever – I'm not saying it doesn't ever happen, but you hardly ever see one of the high seeds win conference tournaments because those lower seeds are, like we were just talking about, they're fighting and scratching to get a possible sh- shot at going to the big dance. And so um, it, a lot of times you do see some of the middle to lower seeds come back and win it. And so I don't know that they get to Sunday, but – I do think that they at least get to Saturday, so I, I got them winning. I'm not saying that they're going to lose, though. I don't want it to sound like that either. I'm just saying that I could see them possibly losing on Saturday, but I think they'll get one. Porter? Guys, as hot as they are and, and the different type, I know Jalen Williams being out is is going to be hard, but it, it's hard to bet against the Hogs right now. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm going to go on and say they're going to win it all. I, I just, just Whoa. You know, they they because it means so much to the state. I think they've really bought into each other, and they're playing as much as I've said momentum. I and they do get a week off, like so. You win your game on Sunday, you don't have to play till Friday, so you can go out and give it all. You can win this thing, and then you don't have to play till Friday. And it's going to be in a centralized location in Indiana. You're not going to be going way out west to play some. That's you know, true. Seattle, Seattle regional, you're going to be going to Indianapolis. So a lot of that plays into it. And I think how hungry this team is, they don't want to let the foot off the pedal. So I, I I'm calling it. That's just my prediction. I think they're going to go all the way and they might not even meet Alabama in the championship. You know, we're so set on this Arkansas, Alabama championship mm-hmm. game. What if somebody trips Alabama? You don't know Tennessee. I, I think it's what Tennessee's on the other side. Correct. Yeah. You know, Tennessee could, uh, up in Alabama, and we could get a Arkansas Tennessee game in the in the SEC championship game. So I'm going to call it just my prediction. Hope I don't jinx it. Knock on wood. <laughs> but but I'm going to say that if they get past this Missouri matchup, that's going to give them that hunger, and I think they're going to win it all. I will say, I've I've been looking this over on when did I go live last? Was that Sunday or Saturday? I can't remember. I said I liked Arkansas to win it all. 
or maybe I said I liked them to make it to the SEC championship but to lose to Bama. I think that's what I said. I don't know. Someone will correct me, I'm sure. Uh, but that was a very half-hearted take, and that was a, here we go, we have our look now, let's go over it. Taking a second glance, I'm not going to lie, man, Missouri worries me a lot. I'm with you, Porter. If they get past Missouri, I think they're I mean, they're good enough to win the whole damn thing. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. But I, I Missouri worries me. It's a matchup yeah. nightmare, and I, I hate to say it, but I think I'm going to take Mizzou over Arkansas. Okay. I just right. it, it's a worrisome matchup. The last time you played them without Tillman, you barely beat them, and it took overtime. And according to Mizzou fans, we got some favorable calls that got them to that that wound up, you know, giving you the type of ending that you got. I have to agree. And and the first time around, it was it was not very pretty. Tillman scorched. I mean, he killed you. He dominated you, and you're without. It sounds like you're without Jalen Williams. That's a problem. I think with Jalen, maybe he's the X factor there. Without him. Can Connor Vanover deal with what's about to happen, with what's about to get thrown into him? I feel like we're going to see a little bit of Ethan Henderson in this game, and and he hasn't had a whole lot of minutes on the floor this year. We'll see what Justin Smith could do. That's going to be the ultimate. That is, at the end of the day, how this game goes. Unless Arkansas just completely, they get open looks outside, and they're knocking down threes left and right, and they're they're just on fire outside. I don't, and I just don't know that that happens. Mizzou can play pretty aggressive defense, they're not going to give Arkansas a whole lot of open looks, I don't think. So unless they can win it outside, I think Arkansas drops this one. I think they're going to be a one and done. I hate to say that because at first glance, I gave Arkansas. I said it was going to be Arkansas. And I think I said Arkansas-Bama, but I felt pretty good. If they get past Missouri, they're good enough to win the whole thing. I don't – Bama's – yeah, it, and I agree with you, Porter. Everyone's talking up Bama. You need to watch out for – need to watch out for Tennessee. I agree. Tennessee, I think actually, according to BPI, was picked to win it. I saw someone had stated that on, on I guess maybe it was Paul Feinbaum show or somewhere. They'd mentioned that Tennessee was actually favored to win it all. So it could very well be Tennessee. I don't know, but I like Arkansas's chances if they can get past Mizzou. But I'm going to say this. You guys can you can rip me up on Discord or my next postgame show, which will be after this game, actually. You guys can rip me up, but I, I turned around and I picked, I picked uh, I'm picking Mizzou. Give me the hogs, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting on that. I was waiting. <laughs> One of you two. I was waiting on. Yeah. Okay, uh, fellas. Anything that I that I forgot? I always ask this because I'm really bad about ignoring or forgetting and ignoring stuff. Is there anything else that we left out? Anything we want to cover? I hope Porter's right. That's about all I got to say. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, that's crazy. We all have we all have completely different scenarios. Ty, you've got them but we're not wrong game. though. No, but, but what's yeah. cool is we're not wrong. I mean, they yeah. could very well lose this. They could win to, tomorrow night and then lose in the second round, they can win it all. So, I mean, yeah. it's one of them. We have differences of opinion, but there's no wrong answer when it, really when it comes to Because, look, I, and I hate bringing up the women again. We thought the women would just go to Greenville, South oh Carolina, go to tear, and they, yeah. they went out in the first round. So it's all about how bad Arkansas wants this and where they want to go. But me, I don't think Musselman is going to let these guys let up, and especially with – because you also got to think the other aspect of it. Jalen Williams is out. How are other teams going to say, oh, well, they don't have their top big inside. We're going to take it advantage of them. And and ex- we, another thing we haven't even brought up, the, the snubs that the team oh thought they gosh. didn't get That's, with the SEC awards, good point. how are they really going to take that? How are they really mentally? And for your coach to stick up for your team and be like, look, these guys, Justin Smith of all people, you know, 
to not get on the first. What he meant to Arkansas, what he and, and to him, he said it's just a list. But come on now, you know, really deep inside that really got to them. It's. I hope so. I'm glad you brought that up because that was something I knew. I was sitting here typing out our notes. I'm like, I know I'm forgetting something. It's the snubs. Oh yep. my god! What what do you got to do at Arkansas to gain some damn respect? What do you got to do? I don't. I don't get it. You're this. You're clearly the second best team in this league, and one guy makes their their little list. Yep, that's all right. I mean, they got six man. I mean, they did get some recognition, and we we got to be thankful they did. But I'm talking about. From the players, you uh, we talked to earlier in the episode about ammo. Use this as ammo and go win the whole daggum thing. That the that's all I gotta thing. say about it. <laughs> the whole damn thing. I, I, yep. I a really good point someone brought up on Twitter. Uh, well, it was actually it was a a poll, and I know we're getting kind of pulled out, but uh, Wes Moore asked this. He said um, it was their zone question of the day: who was snubbed the most by the SEC by the coaches? Uh, Mus for coach of the year, Moses for player of the year, or Devo for all freshmen, which, yeah, I, I mean, I'm surprised that one actually did the worst. It was at 11%. And then Justin Smith on all SEC. And another friend of mine brought up brought up um, Tate being all defense. Like, why wasn't Tate on all defense? Exactly. Yeah, definitely, definitely. He was unreal. So, I, But I would have to go with Smith just because of what he meant to the team. That spark oh, when man. he came back and he got full strength. But I've also said with Devo and what he meant to the locker room and that spark he gave them as mm-hmm. being that locker room in that TikTok guy. And he yep. got them to where they're having fun and playing basketball at the same time. So, oh, man. dude, that's, it's really tough. It's almost like our opinions on how far Arkansas is going to go. You really can't say a wrong answer when who got stubbed the most. In this. <laughs> but you know what? Take it. It's done. It's just a list. It's just a little plaque you can put in your dorm room. And you know what? Put an SEC banner up in the in the in Barnhill, or I mean not Barnhill, Bud Walton Arena. You know, put it put yeah. a banner up. Yeah, we'll pull a we'll pull a uh, not quite a Central Florida, but I think it was A and M who got who caught some heat because they were putting up all those banners in their football stadium, taking a bunch of championships that uh, that were self claimed or whatever. I remember that being a topic on a board somewhere. Kyle, I want to say this: after Arkansas lost to Oklahoma State, what did you and I? We were asked a question. Our Discord question. Someone asked if Arkansas could win the rest of their home games. You remember our answers? I pro- at that time I probably oh after Oklahoma State I probably said eh. I can't remember if I said yes or no because I know Alabama was in there so I really can't. I, re- I'm ninety percent sure, and I need to go back. Maybe we should go back and listen. You said yes. Both of us did. Oh well. Yeah, if I remember point, right, that both was of us. I know. Starting. Yeah, well, they were starting to get pretty hot at that time, and man, and you <laughs> saw that that dead loss is looking a lot better <laughs> with how oh, man. Mm-hmm. State has done. Man, they are on a roll. So, and they're going to get to play in the Big Dance, by the way. It looks like yeah. uh, because their appeal, I guess, if the NCAA doesn't respond to the appeal, then they're good to go. Which is so stupid. Uh, I don't understand that. I mean, you got caught cheating. You know, I, I could go on and on about that, but no, we. I, I specifically remember saying yes. Uh, I'm pretty sure you did too about winning home games. And I didn't say anything about the road games, but I thought as good as this team is, I don't know that they've hit their ceiling yet. And look what they did. They've won everything. They haven't lost a game since. I mean, so this team, first off, shout out. You know, we we got something right over here on the Hog Talk. We're, I think that was something that we nailed down pretty good. But Arkansas... 
they had they hadn't hit their ceiling yet. And I think I still think since they've come back from Oklahoma State, they're playing better ball. I I would love to see them play Oklahoma State again. Uh, you know, so yeah, with with how this thing has played out this year, and I'm like Porter. I'm just I'm just thrilled they're in the tournament because the way January, the way you're walking into January and going through that month, it was not looking very certain that you were going to make the tournament. And here we are. You go undefeated in, in, in February. So far, you know, you're looking pretty good. You're favored to at least, if not win the whole thing, to make it to the SEC championship. We'll see. They got to get through uh, Missouri on SEC Network on, well, Saturday on, on, the, uh, on the 12th, 6 p.m., it's going to be a hell of a matchup. Uh, like I said, it's just going to be a good game regardless, I think. I think it's going to be fun to watch for fans. Hopefully it ends up in the Razorbacks' favor. But, uh, okay, I think that's going to do it. Remember to uh, subscribe. Well, follow us across social media. Leave us a written review wherever you are. Give us some star power over on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. It goes a long ways. And uh, until the next episode, woo, pig suey, go Hawks. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for through our friends at eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go for the pair you have been eyeing. eBay's authenticity guarantees your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators that verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. The guarantee also protects sellers with a verified return process. Selling fees have even been eliminated on sneakers $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com Call us at 501-428-0877 or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479 479- Three six eight six four nine zero. The Hawk Talk podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-347. 9336. That's 479-347-9336. We're back on episode number 174 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Kyle Sutherland here with you, and we are going to go to the Workman's Travel Center hotline where we are joined by former McDonald's All-American and All-SEC guard for the Razorbacks, Kareem Reed. Kareem, really appreciate you coming on and taking some time out for us. And thanks. Thanks for having me, man. Woo pig. <laughs> <laughs> at this present moment, uh, regardless of what happens in the SEC tournament, Arkansas basketball is at a point we haven't seen since you helped them get to the Sweet 16 your freshman year when you averaged 13 points per game. What has this been like for you as a former player and now fan through some of the years of mediocrity to now where we have the success of what it is now one of the top 10 teams in the country? 
Man, it's been great, man. It's been great to be a Hogs fan all around. You know, baseball, volleyball, track. You know, it's been it's been great. You know, we went through, especially in basketball, a transition where, you know, players, we wasn't getting the players or for whatever reason and, you know, coaches changes or whatever. You know, I felt like, you know, you know, Mike Anderson had started something. Coach Anderson had started something and, you know, he didn't get, you know, not saying he didn't get enough time, it's just that he couldn't get it, you know, couldn't get it done or whatever. You know, basically, Arkansas wasn't attractive like we was in the 90s, you know, the late 80s and early 90s or whatever. So I guess getting it back to that statue of, you know, greatness, you know, and, you know, especially when a couple of these blue blood, blue blood schools are down and now we're up, you know, again, or whatever. So it's great to be a Razorback fan right now. That's the alumnus. You mentioned Mike Anderson, a guy that I know you're really close with. You played for, and uh, big congrats to him getting the Big East Coach of the Year. Big congrats. That, yeah, yeah, I know a lot of Razorback uh-huh. fans are still rooting on him, <laughs> my, myself yeah. included. Yeah, I'm a big Mike Anderson guy. Mm-hmm. Be, glad to see him having success up there. But do you feel I, – I noticed you had said, you know, that he had gotten some time and he took the program to a respectable level. He got us back to that point where in most years we were competing for the NCAA tournament or we were getting there. But he couldn't just quite – couldn't quite get to that uh, Sweet 16. Now, 2017, you were really close in a, in a tough loss to North Carolina. But just from yeah, a professional... We don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't box out. We, yeah. we box out, we beat North Carolina. So oh, yeah. Things like that where, you know... But that's the tournament, you know, talking into that, you know, the tournament, you know, coming up now, March Madness. That's March Madness, you know. Some, one, the best team doesn't always win it. Definitely, and you have to be lucky. <laughs> yeah, that's no no doubt. And so, do you think though? You know, I, again, most Razorback fans still have the utmost respect for Coach Anderson, and we saw that whenever they named the court after Nolan, just the applause that he got, the standing ovation. But do you feel that just with the with, with not really that you feel, but do you think it was the right move to go with Eric Musselman now that we are seeing what we're seeing? I mean, you never want to see nobody lose their job. I mean, Mike Anderson's great. You look what he's doing at your St. John's or whatever, you know. With, you know, not saying, you know, Musselman's a great, you know, great coach or whatever, you know, NBA ties. He's been, he's been through the ring, you know, he's been through the ring, you know. <laughs> when you look at my professional career and the places I went and leaves where I played at, you know, that's, you know, that's Musselman into coaching. You know, I just guess, you know, sometimes it's just a new face, you know, a new face that maybe provided more than, you know, we had in the past. You know, you go from, a legendary coach who's hard to fulfill Coach Richardson's shoes. So I guess nobody's never going to be, you know, enough. You know, you know, Coach Richardson running the, the only in the first national championship here. So nobody's going to be a Coach Richardson. So I just felt like, you know, Musselman came in with his own identity. And I guess that's what it, you know, what that's what it was. He brought his own identity. He didn't try to adapt the 40 minutes of hell or the 40 minutes of chaos or whatever has been called over the years or whatever, whatever it changed to, you know, he's bringing into, you know, he's holding the kids accountable, you know, sets, pro sets and stuff like that. And, you know, taking advantage of the mismatches and stuff like that. We're just not, you know, playing up and down and, and stuff like that, that Arkansas was, you know, like that's just, you know, comparing us to the running rebels, you know, things like that with names, you know, they're not running rebels no more. You know what I'm saying? Like Arkansas is not known for 40 minutes of hell anymore you know that it, play, it played it, it's played its time it's course so every you know it's the course of the, the end of the you know the end of the railroad where it, you know a new face a new system or whatever and that's where you know some 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 grad some grad transfers the older team and of course we have a phenomenal freshman you know well two <laughs> with Moses and Devo so that helps you know like that so I guess 
you know, this team is compared, I guess, to that, that Sweet 16 team. You know, you're hearing around here about Sweet 16 or, you know, Final Eight, and that's where we was our freshman year. So I guess that team with a mixture of guys, you know, things like that, hopefully can make a deep run. And Coach Richardson, if I'm not mistaken, he discovered you at the King Cotton Classic in Pine Bluff. And for those that have not heard of the King Cotton Classic, it was the Super Bowl of high school basketball tournaments in the late 80s, early 90s. Corliss Williamson and Jason Kidd, known, I think it was in 91 or 92, where they squared off. Just a uh, phenomenal matchup there. Plus, there was multiple other future NBA players that participated. And I know that it was revived in 2018, but uh, whenever Coach Richardson had come to you at that at the King Cotton Classic, I know that that was either right before or right after Arkansas had won the national championship. So I know that with him coming up, you probably knew exactly who he was and were very interested in talking to him, knowing what the Razorbacks had done. It's funny because uh, when you say that, and, I, and to that story, I can contest now because I know now I know the story, but I didn't know until maybe uh, three, four months ago, uh, speaking to my high school coach and asking him, you know, we doing a Zoom, and during this pandemic, all of you know, all the ex former say raised alumnus was on the call, and you know, we were talking about school picking, and you know, we had probably forty D ones at my high school, and we were just talking about school picking, and I was like, man, really, how did I get to Arkansas? Because my coach was really stingy with the with the letters, so we didn't know who was recruiting them. But when I had a story, it happened my sophomore year, actually. My sophomore year, after after I played my sophomore year, I was in ABCD camp, which was in uh, Lansing, Michigan. Well, it was in Etsu, Etsu, Michigan, at ABCD camp, and uh, Mike Anderson and Coach Richardson was uh, in the subways in Michigan. And my high school coach and one of the famous, you know, God bless the dead, Tom Kachowski, one of the best, you know, one of the most guys. Where this, we were talking about scouting players, you know, the legendary Tom Kachowski was in uh, subways and uh, getting a sub. And my coach, my high school coach, seeing Coach Richardson, and he was big. My coach, my high school coach was big on seeing schools that fit his player styles or whatever. And he told Coach Richardson, hey, man, uh, I got a guard, a sophomore guard that, you know, you need to look at. number. You know, I guess number 75, uh, he's playing on Team B. You need to take a look at it. I know he's a sophomore, but I know he'll fit your style. You'll probably love him. And that was, I guess, that was the first introduction of, Coach Richardson that I knew of, but you know, when we forward to the King Cotton, uh, it was Ernie Murray. Ernie Murray, I guess, was there watching the game. He's from Pine Bluff at the King Cotton. After the game, I had a good game. I guess we beat uh guess in the semifinal game, we beat uh Memphis. We beat Far Fairly, Farley, Corey Beck's uh, high school. We had played them in the semifinals, I had a great game or whatever, and uh Ernie Murray came up to me and said, uh, Lefty, man, who's recruiting you? And I'm like, man, I don't even know, you know, because I didn't know at the time. My coach didn't let us get no letters. And uh, the next night, you know, but I had made uh, a contact with Scotty Thurman. He was my uh, counselor, counselor in the ABCD, and, and he was a freshman now at the University of Arkansas. So we made the contact after their freshman year. He came and was my counselor at ABCD. So Ernie Murray was like, man, you know, I, I'm going to go tell Arkansas about you or whatever. And I, I didn't take it for what it was worth or whatever. But then the championship night, we warming up or whatever. And when he's warming up, I see Carlos Williamson, Scotty Thurman, and Coach Richardson walking in that gym. So that was, you know, big shout out to King Cotton, you know, and, and the King Cotton, you know, family uh, for bringing my high school down here, you know, to the King Cotton. 
a school from New York, getting a chance to come to Palm Bluff, and I guess the rest was history. Then you know me, you know, getting on the radar with Arkansas, you know, and I have a funny story with you know the whole recruiting business in Arkansas, which you know I, <laughs> it, it, it was it was tremendous. You know, everybody asked why I went to Arkansas, but it was. It was just, I guess, the love and the the the, uh, the father figure. Coach Richardson played in my life and a bunch of the, a bunch of the kids' life. A bunch of you know former Razorbacks that Coach Richardson was that father figure to us. You know, my my high school visits didn't happen at my home. You know, when you say oh, you know, these days home visit, you you know, the school the schools coming to your home or whatever. So you know, during my childhood in New York City in the Bronx, where I'm from. I was I, I didn't live in a friendly neighborhood and I didn't have a friendly household, so all my visits happened at my high school. So for this particular day, you know, I'm talking about every school that came to see me, I talked to them at my high school. But this particular day, uh, I talked to Coach Richardson and Coach Anderson at my school. And <laughs> I'm sorry, it might be a violation now. <laughs> That's not a violation, but uh, I talked to them at my school and then I went back home. I went home, you know, I went home and I'm I'm, I'm hanging out with my boys on the corner or whatever. Uh, and a car rolled up and with tenant windows. So my, my guys thought it was, you know, the police officers in my neighborhood, you know, the police wasn't friendly, you know, with things going on where they patrolled the neighborhood. So we sent one of the older guys that, you know, that was like the, the, the lookout for the neighborhood to the car. And he screamed like, man, that's the coach Richardson, man. That's the, the, uh, the black coach that coached the university of Arkansas. And it was like, that was, amazing to me, you know, cause no other, you know, no other program came into my neighborhood, you know, everybody else came to the school. So Arkansas always holds the, you know, coach Richard and the university of Arkansas for them allowing me to come here and give me opportunity to further my education and play basketball. You know, they always hold a special place in my heart. And so growing up in the Bronx, we'll flip the script here and, and you talked about what Arkansas means to you and, and going there and getting recruited. But I know you were famous for street ball and you played in the Rucker Park League, which is extremely well known. It's been featured on TV. I can imagine a lot of your toughness and tenacity was probably molded as being a part of that group. Yes, yeah, a part of that group because it was like, you know, this is dinner, you know, eat, you know, be, be, take or get taken, you know what I'm saying? So it was that, it was that barbarian lifestyle, you know, because there was so many kids with the same dream I had trying to get out, you know, get out of the situation and better our situation, you know? So yeah, I got a lot of toughness from there, but I guess, you know, it's caused me playing with some, I guess some, you know, future hall of fame or, you know, me playing with Stefan at 11, 12 years old and Ray for Austin and guys like that, you know, I guess we kept a group of that age group, you know, if I name some names off to, you know, the listeners, you'll be amazed who, you know, who I play with and the guys that I play with that are figures in college basketball and the NBA, you know what I'm saying? Things like that. So growing up against them and that competition every day, you know, everywhere we go, we played against each other, you know, with no ducking anybody because anybody can show up in the park any given day, you know, and you didn't want to lose because it's about 10 nexus, you know, you lose one game, you got to wait two hours, three hours, you know, get on the court again. So it, that's where I guess I picked that up, you know, and it led into street ball, but I just guess in my neighborhood on Burnside Avenue really installed that in me, you know, where when I took it to, I took that same attitude to, that was my approach then. I, I took that, like, I, I that was my facade, you know, I took that of me being basically pissed off about a situation or me wanting to better my thing. I would just 
I, I act like I was pissed. I put that wall up and that made me go hard. Like everybody was my enemy, but I was a great person off the court. But when we got between them lines, I was like, they was like, oh, what? It's like something came over me, you know? And I guess that's what made me a tough, you know, toughest, to, you know, when coach said tough as nails, because, you know, growing up in that atmosphere, seeing that every day and seeing family members not doing too good or, you know, on drugs and things like that, I wanted better. We're talking with Kareem Reed, former Razorback guard. And Kareem, you set out your first year to take care of some academics, but right after that, uh, as, as I'd previously mentioned earlier, you got off to a hot start with the 13 points per game. And not only did you do that, but you had the most assist, uh, 219, which uh, that's still the most in school history. And you hold the career record uh, with with 749. Now, as an assist guy, obviously, you know, you shared the ball with guys like Pat Bradley, guys like Brandon Dean. There's a lot of uh, great – you talked about some guys that you played with in New York. You also played with a lot of great Razorbacks. But did that kind of come naturally to you? To see You had an incredible amount of talent, obviously. But did that just kind of become natural to you, or was it taught to share the ball around, and that's how you had to play? I mean, I, guess I learned that at an early age. You know, it was no I in team. So my thing was, I, you know, growing up, my favorite player, I'm a Lakers fan, my favorite player was Magic Johnson. Everybody – I grew up around was Michael Jordan and, you know, my, my other friends was Larry Bird, but I had Magic Johnson. And so seeing him pass the ball and, and have a smile on his face and getting the joy of passing the ball, it just took something into me. Like why? And at the same time, I was five, eight, five, seven at this time, you know, growing up or whatever. So who wanted, you know, for me to make it out, I knew scoring wasn't going to be my, my option, you know, when you go back to the street basketball, yeah, I can score stuff like that. But when it was for me to make a career and this is something I love to do, love to do, I couldn't win without that. You know, I played with, you know, two seven footers. So just imagine, you know, that was me rewarding them. Y'all rebounded for me. Y'all blocking shots. I'm going to reward y'all. And then I had, like I said, some tremendous players where the next pass was always better than, you know, you know, closer to the basket or whatever. And the, the whole thing was, you know, I see how, my joy it felt so good to assist somebody else to help somebody else you know so that i guess that's my my build of my coach is helping so you know i guess this assist was just fell in that category you also ranked third in school history for steals with 251 and coach richardson was known for her coaching stout defense and how did those intense practices with all the talented rosters at arkansas that i had mentioned and uh, all the ones that that you had had during that time in the late 90s mid 90s when you were playing how did that prepare you in those practices for the defensive side of the ball in particular with how intense that they were I mean, just because, like you said, uh, our whole practice is defense. We didn't work on no offense. So, you know, that, you know, practice was the, 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 the practice was the games. You know, I guess games were easy. You know what I'm saying? All we had to do was really knock down shots or whatever. But the defense was our trademark. You know, you come off the, you know, you hear coaches like, we press them when we get off the bus, you know, things like that. So, you know, going against these high caliber players. And then, of course, me sitting out that year and, and I guess that's what my freshman year led to my, me having a tremendous freshman year, you know, being co-freshman of the year and all that because I see Corey and, and Clint and Roger Crawford show up to work every day and, and, and see guys like that. Corey Williamson, a lot of me picked, you know, Scotty Thurman, that should have been an NBA draft. That draft, you seeing how they went to work every day. So, you know, when the freshmen came in, it was like, yo, this is what we do on a regular. 
you know, we, we run Cleveland Hill, you know, he drops us up at the mall, they get back. So these were certain things. And I played for some hard coaches, you know, with St. Raymond's and, and AAU. I played for some hard coaches. So it was right up my alley to, to, to challenge. And Coach was a great, you know, a motivator, a great mind, mind reader, a great, you know, he was great at what he, what he did. So I guess he, his preparation, you know, was more of let's just take their legs, you know, let's take their heart, you know, things like that. You cut the, you know, and that was my thing. You cut the head off, the body dies. So that was my job every night to, to give havoc to whoever I was guarding or take away their the point guard. And we know the the intense guy that Coach Richardson is. You just talked about it. We've seen it, and we've, we've seen it on TV. We've seen it if we've been at the games. But you also hear of a lot of his players talk about I know whenever they did the 40 Minutes of Hell documentary, Corey Beck and Corliss and all those guys had talked about how he was a fatherly figure to them. And you, know, you being so far away from home, I mean, New York to Arkansas is like a whole other world. Pat Bradley was up uh, from around the Boston area. So you had guys on that team that were, that were far from home. What kind of fatherly figure was Nolan to you? I mean, uh, there's no is, you know, you know, shout out to Rose, you know, his wife, you know, that's what that's, that was the, you know, the head house, the head of the household, you know, coach would get on us and she, uh, you know, she, uh, she had patch us up, you know, so with them, you get the, you know, it was like a, 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 a good apple and a bad apple, you know, coach, a, coach would kill us and ride us all day and, and Rose would come and, and kiss us and put the band-aids on, you know. And for me, you know, losing my father at an age that I lost my dad and really not, you know, not really growing up with my dad. You know, my dad was incarcerated, you know, actually my whole life, you know, and then me getting a chance to spend a month with him before he, he moved on and passed away, you know. So I always, you know, so that goes with even my high school coach. He was a father figure. So that's where somewhere Coach Richmond just fit right in. So, you know, like I said, me coming on a visit and just a home visit. So he fell right into that role. And, you know, I had, had schools. I could have went to probably any school in the world, you know what I'm saying? And just what Coach showed me in two days on a visit stuck with me to, to make that decision to sign with the University of Arkansas. Like, I had, you know, California, I had Vegas, I had schools, you know, where the town, you know, and, you know, and, and the places, the geographic places were right for me to go, but I didn't need that. Me coming from what I grew up with and seen or whatever, and that's what Coach, he he uh, he knew, you know, after I guess him coming to my neighborhood, knew who I was, know what I needed or whatever, and he fell right into that father figure. After your Razorback days, you played on various semi-pro and overseas teams, and including the Harlem Globetrotters in your home state, and also the Arkansas Rim Rockers. I remember going to those games, watching you guys, watching Brandon Dean, Todd Day, Scotty Thurman, a bunch of Razorbacks that you you've mentioned a lot of them. Some of them you played with, some of them played right after or before you. What was it like being able to play with some of those Razorbacks, again, that you had shared the uniform with, but that it shared some of the successes that so many guys had had over the 90s? It was great, like you said. We, uh, you know, you go from, you know, uh, 20,000, 27,000 as, as a Razorback, and then going to some of these semi-pro teams and there's 30 people in the gym, you know, to traveling all around the world, and then when I got that call, you know, that they was putting a pro team in, in Little Rock, Arkansas, you know, and I've been in Fairville, you know, and know how Razorbacks was the hottest ticket 
in the world at one time where a lot of people that I knew and, 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 and you know, the, the, the black community didn't get a chance for us, you know, they didn't get a chance to see us play a lot, you know, on TV and stuff like that, but not in person. So when they put it smack down in Little Rock and the Capitol and, you know, I grew over years, I grew friends and family from Little Rock area and the Pine Bluff area, which I it was no doubt I wanted to play in front of. And of course, I wanted to play in front of the, the Razorback fans, the, the, the Arkansas fans. It didn't matter if it was for, you know, if it was a soccer team in Arkansas and I went, it was just, you know, I know the fans and the community stands behind, you know, stands behind anything that has Arkansas on it. So it was a great, and of course, to get the chance to play with, you know, Oliver Miller and Todd Day, you know, get a chance to play with uh, Scotty, which I didn't get a chance to play with him in college. And this is one of the biggest reasons I'm here and, and to today that I'm in Arkansas is because of Scotty Dunn, you know, and I'm back here, you know, after my finished playing days, I came back, it was because of Scotty Thurman. So it was, you know, you know, big shout out to those guys, you know, but, you know, people that set the foundation, you know, and big shout out to, you know, Larry Crane, you know, he's been a, a father figure to me, you know, the, the, uh, Larry Crane, the owner, of the, the, he's the owner of the team. And, you know, just had a relationship, not their relationship to, to this day with him, you know, so giving me the opportunity and giving us, you know, Arkansas, ex-Arkansas players a chance to play in some of the fan, in front of the fans that we never got a chance to play in front of. And Kareem, as we finish up here, I want to talk about uh, this new thing you've got going. I believe it's, it starts in September or sometime this fall, the Arkansas Prep Academy. It's a national post-grad program with both athletic and educational benefits. And that's about all that I know of it right now, just from what I had uh, seen, that something that you posted. Mm-hmm. So I'll go ahead and give you the floor to discuss some of the specifics and give us an overview of, of what the APA is. Oh, yeah. So APA is, uh, I mean, I mean, you know, since I came back, uh, I came back to Arkansas and I graduated uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, just been here around the area coaching and covering high school basketball and, and seeing the need for some of these kids, you know, not and just not in Arkansas around the world that need an extra year. You know, some of these kids are not physically ready, mentally ready, you know, to make that jump into college. So this is a gap program of a post-grad. Uh, as you finish your senior year, this, this program is eight months where you'll live a college student's life, you know, uh, you know, and learn from a D- Division One player, 15-year pro like myself. You know, I got a hell of a, a, hell, a hell of a staff. I'm, I'm searching for a coach right now. Uh, it's a program where we play 35 to 40 games against, you know, top junior colleges, uh, NAIA, Division Twos, and uh, other prep schools, prep prep academies, you know, for these kids, you know, some kids, you know, it's, three, it's probably three, four different kids, you know, that, you know, it's a kid that has his GPA that needs maybe his test score, you know, help with his test score, or SAT, ACT recovery, you know, a kid that might just need more game, especially with this, this pandemic, the last two, this, this last year, the next two years for, you know, for these kids are going to be valuable. Because it's not a lot of scholarships left, you know, and especially with the NCAA making this rule where these kids get an extra year. So this program will provide, you know, uh, workshops, uh, financial literacy, you know, weight and conditioning strength, you know, uh, learn how to eat like, a, you know, eat like a Division One athlete, you know. So it's a life of a college student. I don't want to say Division athlete. I mean a Division One athlete because, you know, Division Two, II, Division Three, you get your school paid for. You know, and you you get provided a free education if you are uh, fortunate to get a scholarship. So my my thing is just a, a gap program 
you know, for eight months before you enter college. And I know that uh, you can be reached at ArkansasPrep at gmail.com. That's ArkansasPrep at gmail.com. Do you have any Facebook pages or anything right now, or is that do you just have the email address to? No, you can follow, yeah, ArkansasPrep.com. It's just ArkansasPrep.com. So ArkansasPrep.com. Okay. ArkansasPrep.com. Uh, you can find you can follow me on I am Kareem Reed on Instagram. Arkansas Prep Academy also has its own Instagram. I'm on Facebook, and like I said, when you, once you go to the webpage, everything will be there for for everybody. Like I said, our mission statement, what we're about, and everything. Like I said, so you know, I, I guess there's going to be you know, it's a need for it in the, in, in this in the state. You know what I'm saying? Where I can help some in-state kids and also help some kids out of state and and give them this chance for. For the, for the world to see, you know, display your talents on the, the biggest stage. Certainly. Yeah, to someone who, who covers high school basketball and football myself, I can uh, certainly appreciate what you're doing. That's some great stuff. So, yeah, you'll definitely be sure, guys, to check out Arkansas Prep Academy. We'll be starting this fall. Some great things that Kareem's doing there. And we've been talking with Kareem Reed, former Razorback, all-SEC guard. And, Kareem, really appreciate you taking some time out to tell us about your career as a hog and what you got going on at the APA. And uh, I think it's really great what you're doing, man. And, and uh, you know, been a big fan of yours all these years. And we, we're certainly – Proud to adopt you as a, as a uh, Arkansas resident, and glad you stuck around. Yes, thanks for having me, man. This place means the world to me. Like I said, I needed this place when I was eighteen, and I came back at forty and, and got my degree. So, like I said, school is school is very important. Like I said, you talked about it earlier. Me having to sit out my freshman year because I didn't handle my business early when I had a chance. You know, basketball. You know, the ball bounces just for so long. It's like what you're going to do life after basketball. So. Me trying to, you know, set these kids up to be set for hopefully set for life. Definitely. Absolutely. Can't couldn't have said it better. So well that will do it for episode number one seventy four of the Hog Talk Podcast. We will see you next Monday for Kareem Reed. My name's Kyle Sutherland. We'll catch you next time. Go Hogs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.